0: in a series right now just titled Friends. You know what? Jesus said that he came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. And I want you to understand this morning that an abundant life, a life that's full, is going to include the blessing of friends. We all need friends to live the fullest kind of life. When you read the Bible, there are certainly heroes of faith that at times stood all alone. But so often, there are those who stood together with others and saw great victories happen. Caleb and Joshua, they stood together with a good report of the promised land when nobody else would believe it. When everybody else said, we can't go in, they said, yes, we can. And that whole entire generation died off in the wilderness except for Joshua and Caleb. And they went into the promised land together. And together they drove out their enemies from the promised land. It was better, the two of them together, David and Jonathan. You know what? David certainly had some great victories all on his own. God used him to kill that giant Goliath. But there were times when David really needed a friend. And here are these two. One, a lowly shepherd boy, and the other, the son of the king. What great friends they became. And at one point, that friendship saved David's life. After Jonathan was gone, that friendship brought David's favor and blessing on one of Jonathan's sons. I'm just telling you, it it was great that they had each other as friends. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those three Hebrew young men that stood together against the king's edict that everyone would bow to his golden image. These three stood together. Maybe they could have stood alone. I don't know, but I know this, that it's easier when you got somebody standing with you. And together, all three of them went into that fiery furnace. And together, they all three came out in victory. Oh, it's just good when you've got some good friends to stand with you and to go through the fire with you. Amen. <clears throat> Peter and John, through thick and thin, you know, when they heard that Jesus had risen from the dead, the Scripture records that Peter and John ran to the tomb. Now, John doesn't use his own name, but he says that the other disciple outran Peter, beat Peter to the tomb. He just had to get that in there, right? I mean, he's so humble, he didn't use his name, but everybody knew he's talking about himself, right? He's also talking about himself when he called himself that disciple that Jesus loved. But Peter and John, so many great Battles and so many great victories. You know, it says they're going to the temple to pray together one day that Peter raises a lame man to his feet. It was Peter and John preaching the good news about Jesus and they got put in jail together. You know, the world says that a friend will bail you out, but a great friend will be sitting in the cell with you. Well, that's the way it was for Peter and John. It was that way for Paul and Silas too. They got arrested for preaching the gospel and letting God use them. They ministered together. They got put in jail together. They prayed and sang praises together and together. I will tell you, they both felt an earthquake. They both together saw the prison doors pop open and their chains fall off. See, when you're in a prison, when you're in a dark place, it ain't quite as bad when you're with a good friend. Amen. And when you come out in victory, it's just twice as good when you're with a great friend. Amen. Right. That's the way it's supposed to be. We need friends. We need great friends. I realize that great friends are few and far in between, but you know what? We ought to pursue those kinds of relationships and friendships because it's really important it's even important in our walk of faith. Having a great friend can be life-changing. I mean, there are times when God brings somebody into your life and that friendship, you know, it's a blessing in many ways, but one of the ways it can just be so amazing is when that person is somebody that impacts your life spiritually. And you know, we need to see the flip side of that also. What an amazing thing. When we get to be the friend that God used, the vessel that God used to help change somebody else's life. And so this morning I want to talk to you about being a great friend. Now, last week we talked about the right kind of friends. And I'm going to touch on a couple of the same principles again this morning. But it's just important for us to really get a hold of this, how to be a great friend friend. If you will be a great friend, you will never lack friends. If you'll be a great friend, you will always have friends. And the best way to find a great friend is to be a great friend. How to be a great friend. I'm certainly no expert, I can tell you that. Over the years, I've been blessed with a lot of friends and a few great friends, but my wife is the expert on the subject. I met Carmen when she was 21, and at 21, she had already been the maid of honor for three friends. And I think she would have been for several more, but it probably just got kind of weird that everybody had to have Carmen as their maid of honor. But she was just that kind of friend that everybody considered her to be their best friend. You know, and when we got married, she had to cut it down to where she just had eight bridesmaids. It was hard, but she did it. And me, I, I didn't have eight friends. And so I literally borrowed some friends from her to be some of my groomsmen. It's a true story. But Carmen is just that kind of a friend that everybody thinks of as a great friend. And you know what? That's what we all should endeavor to be to others, a great friend. If you want to be a great friend, there's no better place to learn than from the Word of God. And so I'm going to give you some simple truths from the Scripture about how to be a great friend. But here's one that just covers them all. We know it is the golden rule. It's Matthew seven, twelve. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. When Jesus says this is, for this is the law and the prophets, he's saying, This one covers it all. And I want to tell you this one principle does cover it all. If we could truly just treat other people the way we want to be treated, that's how you can be a great friend. I mean, You, you just treat your friends the way that you really want to be treated. And, you know, sometimes it's difficult to put that into practical use every day in our life. But that's the way it ought to be, that we always treat others the way we want to be treated. So I want to really make this practical with principles from Scripture that help us live that out. So first, you can't be a great friend to people if you don't have friends. You got to make friends. And the Bible says this in Proverbs 18, 24, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. Now, if you look at this in the NIV or some of the other modern translations, it doesn't say anything remotely similar to that. But I believe in the Hebrew text, this, this was a good tr- translation that if you want to have friends, you got to be friendly. In fact, it doesn't take a whole lot of intelligence to understand this. I mean, even, even just in natural reasoning, we can understand if we're going to have friends, well, you got to be friendly, And I want to talk about this for a few minutes because it is a real struggle for some of us. And I say some of us because if if you've been here in this church very long, you've heard me say it before, but I'm a true introvert. It's uncomfortable for me to meet people and talk to people. I'm just, you know, a lot of pastors, it's so backwards for me. A lot of pastors are super outgoing. They're very gregarious. They're the life of the party, and I'm opposite of that. I'm the guy that comes in, sit in a chair over in the corner, and I'll just watch everybody else. Thank you. I mean, that's just my personality. And, and it's easy for me, if I let myself, to be unfriendly. In fact, some of those who were friends and, you know, you speak the truth in love to your friends. and My supporters, they, they told me one time years ago, they said, you have a terrible personality for a pastor They were just, you know, these are people that love me. (laughs) What did my enemies say, right? But I'm just saying that for me, it was a real struggle. But here's what I know. That just means that I have to work a little harder at it, that I have to make it a point to be friendly, that I have to be willing to step out of my comfort zone. If I want to be a great friend, I got to get out of my comfort zone and be friendly with people. And I know that I've gotten better. Some of you are thinking, really? Yeah. You just don't know. And so what, I, what I'm saying from that is, is that I know I can continue to get better. And so can you. If this is a struggle for you, don't just reside yourself to the fact and say, I'm an introvert. But instead say, you know what? God can help me be friendly. Amen. But if you're going to have friends, you got to be friendly. If you have trouble making friends, a lot of the time it it just has to do with attitude. You know, some people have this attitude that nobody likes me. They just expect to be rejected. There was a lady that came to the church for a couple of years. She wasn't here for a couple of services. She was here for a couple of years, and she told others that the church was unfriendly and closed off. And, you know, in a way that's shocking to me because this is such a friendly church and such loving and gracious people. But I understand or understood why she felt that way because she never made any friends. But she came into the service, walked straight in, sat in a chair. When the service ended, she stood up and walked straight out the door and she never really gave anybody much of an opportunity to become friends with her. But not only that, I think somebody still would have managed to make friends with her except for the fact that by her demeanor, her countenance, and her body language, it was like, leave me alone. Now what I learned from that is that, you know what, sometimes people put off this persona like, you know, leave me alone, and we just need to go out of our way to be friendly to them anyway. Some people just need a little extra help making friends, and we ought to try to do that. But I also learned from that that you know what? If you wanna wanna make friends, sometimes you gotta open the door, you gotta be willing, you gotta have an attitude that doesn't put people off. Gonna make friends, you gotta be friendly. And sometimes the problem is you're just not holding your mouth right. (laughs) You need to smile. This is one of the things that I've noticed about Carmen, you know, a lot of times when we go places together, when people see her, they just start smiling. Now I smile when I see her because she's pretty, but I watch what happens. You see, we walk up to a place, we're going to buy something, we're going to check out and that, chick, that cashier's just been working hard and, you know, just going at it and they look up and they see Carmen in their face, they, they just light up. You know why? Because she's smiling at them. Going on vacation one time, you know, we're at the airport going down the escalator, and there's people on this side going up, and and uh, I'm I'm watching people's faces. They all just start smiling as they're coming up the escalator, and I'm like, she's smiling at everybody. (laughs) She just does that, you know. She's she's like, why are people grumpy? This is great. We're going on vacation. So I'm just saying, though, she just smiles all the time. And here's what I want to say about smiling. It's actually free. It doesn't really cost you anything, right. and it makes you look friendly. Friendly. Now, I know there's certain times and situations if you're just smiling at people, they're going to think you, you're weird, but I'm just saying as a rule, here's a great way just to begin, smile at people. Amen. We had a lady many years ago, about 30 years ago, when I was youth pastor, there was a lady at the church, and she was just grumpy and gruff all the time. Somehow, I kind of felt like she liked me, but she would always say to me, "Speak and be friendly," just like that. By the way, speak and be friendly. <laughs> what she was saying was absolutely right. <laughs> she never practiced it, but what she was saying was right. And I, I just, I'm just saying, you know what? We need to have a countenance that's approachable. Smile at people. Be friendly. Be willing to speak to people. You know, sometimes. You know, this is hard for me to, you know, be friendly, but sometimes I speak to people and they don't speak back. And it makes me feel like, you know what, I don't want to do that again. But I've just decided, you know what, that's their problem, not mine. And be friendly. If somebody doesn't speak to you or somebody looks at you funny, well, guess what, go on to the next person. The next person might appreciate it. But be friendly. Especially here at church, you know what, we ought to be glad to see one another, greet one another warmly. You know, there's enough cold out in this world. We just need to be friendly. Next, to be a great friend, you have to accept others. Romans 15, 7 in the NIV says it this way, Accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. How did Christ accept you? Just as I am. Every single one of us, you couldn't save yourself. We all came to Him as is. In fact, the religion that says, well, you gotta, you got to stop this and you got to do that before you can come to Christ, wrong, wrong, wrong. You come to Christ and He'll clean you up. By His Holy Spirit and by His Word, He will clean you up. But you come to Him, your righteousness is filthy rags no matter how much you think you've cleaned yourself up. It's only by the blood of Jesus. So we all come to Him. He accepts us just as we are. And that's how He tells us in His Word, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. Now, people are always as is. You go and buy a car that says as is, good luck. And if you buy something at the electronics store that says, as is, and then you get it home and you say, hey, it doesn't work right. And you try to take it back. They say, but it said, as is. But people, they're always as is. And you can't just take them back because they got some faults and flaws. And you can't just look for the perfect friend. Now, listen, last week we talked about the right friends, the right kinds of friends. And and that stands. But you also need to understand there's nobody that's perfect. There's nobody that doesn't have faults and flaws. And if you're going to be a great friend, you got to learn to accept your friends as is. You can't always be criticizing and, and be judgmental. And Jesus, again, is always our example. Yet Jesus never just accepted and condoned people's sin. But he accepted the people. In John eight fifteen, Jesus says, You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And he tells us in Matthew 7, 1, Judge not that you be not judged. It's just not our place to criticize and fault find. And if you do that, you will never be considered a great friend. That's right. A great friend is somebody that can accept you, somebody that you can tell anything to, whatever you're going through, They will show you love and support. A great friend accepts you as you are, but a great friend also will help you become who you're supposed to be. And so we talked about this last week, but I want to touch on it briefly. To be a great friend, you have to speak the truth in love. Those are the best kinds of friends, are the people, not, not just the ones that say nice things to your face and let you go the wrong direction, but people that are willing to, say, to tell you the truth To help you. Now, Ephesians 4.15 is where that comes from. It says, speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. When we talk about speaking the truth in love, most of the time, I see that used as an excuse to go around trying to fix everybody and blast people. And they say, well, I'm just speaking the truth in love. No, you're not. If you're speaking the truth in love, people would appreciate it. And here's the end result of what is supposed to happen when you speak the truth in love. We grow up into Him, Christ. See, there's supposed to be growth. It's supposed to be a blessing. It's supposed to help, not tear down, not just to criticize again. See, that's so often it's used as an excuse that way. But we certainly need friends to hold us accountable. And if you're a great friend you hold your friends accountable and help them by being willing to speak the truth in love to them. Not to be a people fixer. There's only one people fixer. His name is Jesus. You just give up that heavy load, that burden of having to fix everybody, it ain't your job. But your job is to love them, to accept them, to be a great friend to them, to speak the truth to them in love. A great friend is somebody that will... Listen to you. If you want to be a great friend, you got to listen to people. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This verse has three very powerful principles that apply to all relationships. And a lot of the time, we tend to focus on the part about being slow to speak, being careful what you say. Our words have such power, and that's very important. But I want you to just focus this morning on the first part. He says, take note of this. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. If you want to be a great friend, you can't be dismissive. You can't ignore people. You got to be quick to listen. And this is what the Word of God tells us. Be quick to listen. You can't share your burdens with somebody who won't listen. You can't get counsel from somebody who won't listen. You can't really even give someone your prayer request if they won't listen. And you know, in our culture today, most of us are not quick to listen at all. In fact, if we have to listen, we want to listen quick. Spit it out. Give me the short version. I'm busy. Okay. I know none of y'all have ever struggled with that. <laughs> but sometimes I do. That's I just, what's the problem? Get it out. But here's the thing. We need to be quick to listen. To right. be a great friend, you really got to be a good listener. Listener. And I know some people really struggle with that. They're not good listeners. Well, let me tell you, if you want to be a great friend, you need to try a little harder. You need to work on it. It's important to be a great friend. You got to be a good listener. Listen, one of the quickest ways that you can show someone that you don't care about them is to just not listen. I mean, when they're talking... Just get your phone out and start playing with your phone. They'll understand real quick that they're not important to you. Be quick to listen. When people are talking about something that's important to to them, expressing their feelings and how they feel, you need to tune in. You need to listen. Look straight at them. Give them your full attention. Be quick to listen. Part of listening, I tell you, is about caring about the other person. It's making them feel like somebody understands what they're going through and like you really care. Listen, the Scripture tells us to weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice. You can't do that if you don't listen to them. That's right. Next, to be a great friend, we've got to be a faithful friend. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times. Now, I'm going to talk about the love later, but I just want to focus on this, that it's at all times. A friend loves at all times times. A sometimes friend is not much of a friend. A friend that's only a friend when it's convenient is not a great friend. You ever had a friend that when certain other people were around, they would ignore you? That sure isn't a great friend. I don't know if that's any kind of friend really, but to be a great friend, you got to stand by your friends, even when they mess up, even when they blow it. Through the most difficult times, that's when you stand by your friend. Football coach, you had a lot of criticism because he was having a terrible year. Their team was just losing every game. And it was so bad that even his friends began to bail on him. And he said, my dog was my only true friend. I told my wife one day that every man needs at least two good friends. She went out and bought him another dog. (laughs) Everybody needs some great friends, and great friends will stay with you no matter what's going on. Even when you're struggling, even when you're down, they're going to stand by you. They're going to be faithful to you. Next, be a great friend, and this one kind of goes right along with that, but you got to be a trustworthy friend. Everybody needs a friend, that they can talk to freely, someone they know that things will be kept in confidence. And in to, in today in the Word, George Eliot writes, Oh, the comfort, the inexpressible comfort of feeling safe with a person, having neither to weigh thoughts nor measure words, but to pour them all out as they are. Chaff and grain together, knowing that a faithful hand will take and sift them, keep what is worth keeping, and then with the breath of kindness, blow the rest away. You see, we need those kinds of friends we can talk freely with. I was talking to a good friend this past week, and I got to talking about something, and before long, I was just kind of ranting. I mean, I just spilled it all and when I was done I didn't feel good and I said I shouldn't have poured all I shouldn't have dumped all that on you I said I'm so sorry and they looked at me and they said no it's all right. don't worry about it that's a good friend a friend that you can just let it all out and they don't judge you and they're not gonna break that confidence But somebody that you can freely share your heart. You wanna be a great friend? Be that person. We all need friends that we can really trust. Know that they will keep our confidence. It's a true friend. It's one of the ways my wife is a great friend. In 40 years, I've never seen her intentionally break a confidence. It just, you know, when you tell her something, it goes in the vault. And that's the way it's supposed to be. If you want to be a great friend, when somebody talks to you about a personal matter, something told you in confidence, it needs to go in the vault and it doesn't come out for any reason. That's a great friend. Proverbs 11:13, in the NIV says, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. Now, first of all, I want you to, understand this, that the Scripture makes it clear, not just this verse, but many different verses, that gossip is a sin. It is not an an acceptable sin, as some people want to classify it. It's not a little sin. In fact, it is a sin that can do so much harm. It can actually destroy lives. A gossip is a sin. In psychology today survey of more than 40,000 Americans, the quality most valued in a friend is the ability to keep competences. This is the one trait that people value most in a friend is they'll keep confidence. You, they can talk to you and know that it won't be repeated. Know that you won't use it to stab them in the back or to make yourself look good. See, that's part of the problem with the gossip. There's something about having that tidbit of information, you know, did you know, that makes people feel important, makes them feel big, makes them feel like they're special because they're the one, they've got the inside scoop. And I just, I have to address this. When you talk about gossip, there's this lie, this deception, that, it, that, is, that if it's true, it's okay. And every person that believes that has bought into a deception that makes you a hypocrite because nobody wants their truth being told all over town. What would you think about a pastor that told what he knew to be true about people in his church? That's awful. And yet so many believers use that as an excuse for gossip. They say, well, it's true. You don't talk bad about people, whether it's true or not. And if you know something that was told to you in confidence, and get this, what really makes a gossip is you didn't even get it firsthand. You got it from somebody else, and but it's true. A gossip can never be a great friend. And once that comes out, once it is found that you repeated a confidential matter, they will never trust you again. And anybody that knows about it knows better than to trust you. And the people you repeated it to know better than to trust you. Thank you, brother. Because they're getting quiet on me. It can be a real temptation to share what you know. But I'm telling you, a great friend would never do that. That's a betrayal of the friendship. Proverbs 16, 28 says, A perverse man sows strife. A perverse man. Now, we don't usually think of somebody that so strife as perverse. We think of other things as perverse. But this is what the Scripture says, a perverse man so strife. And a whisperer or gossip separates the best of friends. See, if you listen to a gossip, it can destroy your friendships. Carmen and I were friends with one couple for over 20 years and a gossip began to tell them things that weren't true. And they didn't talk to us. They didn't say a word to us. They didn't have anything to do with us and they left the church. And the thing that was so frustrating to me about that situation was that not only that this gossip had destroyed our relationship with these people, but also that these people were so quick, after being friends with us for 20 years, they believed what this gossip had told them and didn't even come to us and talk to us about it. I'm just telling I guess really and truly, they must not have been the friends that I thought they were. Right. But I just want you to understand, this is not a harmless sin. And to be a great friend, you have to hold confidences. You have to be that person that will keep what was told to you in private, private. Next, to be a great friend, you build others up. You got to be an encourager. Some people are just downers. They're always negative, always complaining. Don't be that kind of friend. You want to be the kind of friend that after someone has been around you, they feel a little better. After they've been around you, their faith has been strengthened. When they spend time with you, they, you know, their, their spirit is lifted. Maybe, maybe they, they got a smile on their face because having spent some time with you, you want to be that friend. Now here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 4.29. In the NIV it says it this way, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now that's a mouthful right there. Don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth. There's a whole lot of unwholesome talk going on in this world. We should not be a part of it. It didn't say, now if it's really, really bad. No, he said, no unwholesome talk coming out of your mouth. But then he goes even way further, not just not unwholesome, but to go to this only what is good for building others up that it may minister grace to the hearers. Be that kind of friend. A great friend is the one that lifts you up and builds you up and encourages you, not the one that drags you down. Next, to be a great friend, be a spiritual friend. We talked about this in the right kinds of friends, but it's just something that needs to be mentioned this morning because carnal friends are easy to find you can go down to a bar and have a couple of beers and you'll find some friends they're not real friends but they're friends that's the way a lot of people make friends find friends carnal friends and it's not even just the lost you can find carnal christians to be a great friend you need to be a spiritual friend You need to be that kind of friend that helps someone get closer to God. That's a great friend. Be that friend to others. Help them get closer to God. A great friend, they will encourage you in your stand, in your convictions. See, a carnal friend so often... They'll even pick at you and make fun of you for your convictions. Anything that you're convicted about that they're not, it's fair game for them to make fun of. But a spiritual friend, they will encourage your convictions for you to stand by what you believe. We need those kinds of friends and we need to be that kind of friend in the body of Christ. And when you go through a great battle, whether it's, you know, some kind of an illness or you lost your job, you're struggling with your family, or you have a terrible accident, you don't want some carnal Christian to be the one praying for you. You want some spiritual friends who are right there on it, speaking words of faith and praying in faith. Isn't that right, brother? Amen. I think a lot of you know, but in case you don't know, Josh had a terrible accident this past week. And I want to tell you, the prognosis from the doctors was not good at all. And then he walks in here on a Wednesday night. He is a walking miracle. Yeah. He has great friends because I want to tell you, there was a whole lot of people praying. And they was not praying some wimpy little prayer, you know, God, if it be thy will, maybe you can touch this poor brother. No, they were praying prayers of faith and believing God. And that's a great friend. You need some great friends in your life. And here's the best way to get some. Be a great friend. Amen. Be that kind of a spiritual friend to others. Oh, how there's a need for that. In this world, but not just in this world, in the body of Christ, last, to be a great friend, we need to love like Jesus did. Jesus, here's what it says in John 15:13, Jesus says, "Greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends." And that's what He did: To lay down your life for your friends and then Jesus also tells us love one another as I have loved you and how did he love us he laid down his life for us love one another as I have loved you you see to love one another the way Jesus loves us is to love unselfishly to love in a sacrificial way to be willing to put others first To put your friend first. You see, in this world, so much of the time, friendship is really based on what I can get out of it. But when it comes to being a great friend, it's not about what we get out of it. It's about us being willing to give, to put others ahead of ourselves. I know this world has some really strange ideas about what love is. But, you know, the Scripture describes it for us in 1 Corinthians 13. And I just want to go over verses 4 and 5. Just focus on those two verses. It says that love is patient. You want to be a great friend? Be patient. In the King James, it's long-suffering. We don't even like the sound of that. But sometimes to be a great friend, if you really love them, you're going to have to forbear you got to realize that they got faults and flaws, but you know what? That's okay because you're my friend. Amen. That's really, that's love when you can forbear, when you can suffer long, when you can truly be patient. Love is kind. Be kind to people. <laughs> Nobody wants somebody to be their friend who's mean to them. I mean, that's pretty hard up for a friend if you've got some mean friends. It's time for you to find some new friends. I'm just saying, but... You want to be a great friend? Just be kind. Do nice things for them. That's a great friend. Somebody who just goes out of their way to be nice, to be kind. It does not envy. See, a great friend will always rejoice with you, always be glad for you when things go well for you. I mean, when you get a raise at work, they're going to be excited. When something, you know, big problem in your life works out, they're going to be excited for you. They're not going to be envious. One time, uh, kind of a a long story, but Carmen was driving a clunker for a couple of years, and I, I felt bad about that, but she drove this awful car and uh, I finally bought her a brand new car. I was so excited about it. And there was one individual I thought was my friend. I showed him the car. I said, "Man, won't you come out and see the car I got for Carmen?" And he came out and he looked. And he just kind of said, "Yeah, that's nice." And I could tell by the look on his face that he felt like I had gone overboard. Like I had like, how did we afford something like that? And he was envious. I realized he wasn't that great of a friend. But here's what I want to say about that. If you're a great friend, you're glad when your friends are blessed. You're never envious. If if you love people, you're you're glad when they get blessed. And I'm going to take this a step further, by the way. That passage isn't just about friends, but people need to understand this about the blessing of God. If you see somebody else get blessed, rejoice with them. If you Listen, you see somebody else get blessed and you start talking, blah, blah, blah. I don't see why God blessed it. Don't worry about it happening to you. That's right. That's right. That's right. Moving on. <laughs> it does not boast. Nobody likes a braggart. See, if you're one of those people that you're tempted, you know, they start telling you about the difficult time that they're going through and you say, oh, that's nothing, I went through this. Okay, and you tell them about some great thing that's happened in your life. Oh, well, this has happened. That guy, nobody likes a braggart to be a great friend. You need to never, ever boast and brag. And then it goes right into the next one. It's not proud. You know, the Bible says that God resists the proud. And I know sometimes in this world, it seems like people embrace the proud, but a great friend. Is not proud. A great friend is always humble, always thinks of others better than themselves. That's what the scripture says. Verse five, it says, it is not rude. A great friend is polite. People appreciate being treated right. That's a great friend. It's not self-seeking. It's not just about what we want. It's seeking the good of others. A great friend always wants what is best for you. It's not about what they can get out of it. A great friend loves. A great friend is not easily angered. See, a great friend rarely gets angry with you. Be that kind of a friend. Sometimes, you know, if you struggle with anger, you may be tempted to get angry about a situation. Just remember this. A relationship is worth far more than whatever it is you're angry about in the moment. Some of you need to remember that with your spouse too. Love keeps no records of wrongs. You want to be a great friend? You never ever bring up somebody's past failures You leave that in the past. Keeps no record of wrong. See, if we love like Jesus did, that's how you can be a great friend. And so it goes like this. A great friend is patient. A great friend is kind. A great friend does not envy. A great friend does not boast. A great friend is not proud. A great friend is not rude. A great friend is not self-seeking or easily angered. A great friend keeps no record of wrongs. We, as a church, want to be a place where people can come and find great friends. Be a great friend. Oh, it'll be such a blessing to you personally. Because I'm telling you, you will never want for friends, and you yourself will find many great friends. So that's our focus this morning. It's not just about what others can do for us, but about us being a great friend to others. And I challenge you to hear the word this morning and to live that out in your life. Stand with me. We're going to pray. I want our prayer partners to go ahead and come.